This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over uh, a week where we're only going to be talking about a win because we played one game and we won it. So a novelty in this season for United. Um, How are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Wayne. Not bad at all. Good year at West Ham yesterday. Yeah, I I was there working at that game and... It was poor. <laughs> poor. The first half was poor because Aston Villa, for some unknown reason, was so negative. I was so disappointed with Steven Gerrard because Steven Gerrard's side, just about him as a player, how I'd seen Villa previously, and then you start, you know, you just want to see him have a go because they've got a lot of good players. Coutinho was playing as a deep midfield player. McGinn was playing virtually like a right-back position. They didn't want to score. All they wanted to do is every time they ever touch was go down holding their heads and stopping the game. And it's absolutely amazing when you go a goal behind and players want to stay on their feet and start start moaning about situations when the team when the other team slow down. But West Ham got what they deserved in the end, which is a good half hard fought win with yeah. a big game on Thursday. Yeah, a few this week, um, a lot of games this week. Uh, if you're watching the, the podcast on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you are watching on YouTube and Facebook, feel free to get your, your questions in. If you're watching the replay, um, still say hello in the comments and feel free to comment because we do reply to those. Um, yeah, before we talk about the, the game against Spurs, first off, I want to just mention the passing of Franco Farrell. He, he died last week. Felt a little bit disappointed, Paul, that the club didn't hold a minute silence for him. I know they, they wore black armbands, and it was mentioned. Alan Keegan mentioned it on the on the tally before. West Ham did. Was that? Yeah, West Ham did. Yeah, West Ham yeah. definitely marked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, surprising that United didn't really um, do much about it. To be fair, um, I I've written something about him. That, that, that was many many months ago that I wrote about that. But I put it in the the description. Um, to this podcast, so once you've checked, once you've listened to us, give it a check back. Yeah, Franco Farrell took charge of United 1971 after Busby's second retirement, so to speak, when he came out after um, Wolf McGuinness' sacking. So, well, Farrell was manager at Leicester beforehand. Um, kind of like a David Moyes appointment, they'd gone for that young British coach, um, although O'Farrell's an Irishman. 
He um he came with Malcolm Musgrove, a trainer, very highly rated uh, pair. To be fair, uh, in terms of British coaching, and to be fair, the first four or five months in charge with Frank were were brilliant. George Best um, played some of his best football. Some of the most memorable George Best goals that you've seen came under the Frank O'Farrell era. The hat trick against West Ham, where he he dazzled past Bobby Moore. The goal against Sheffield United, where he took on everyone. Uh, the at Southampton as well. A lot of great um, great goals in there, but unfortunately, because the problems in the side were so big, you know, he needed to replace the defence. George was missing training. Um, Bobby and Dennis were getting on as well, and all these problems were happening at the same time. And Frank, to be fair, he took a lot of that on himself. Um, and uh, Paddy Crerand talks about Frankie, basically says he came as a stranger and left as a stranger. So he was in charge for 18 months, sacked after United lost 5-0 at, at Palace on the, you know, they'd gone from basically top of the table to fighting relegation in the space of 12 months. Um, I wouldn't say that's Frank's doing, there were a lot of problems at the um, at the club at the time. Um, but yeah, everyone that I've spoke to about Frank, including Sammy McElroy, who um, gave who Frank gave his debut, um, only says really nice things about him as a person. They say he was a complete gentleman. And if you see anything about Frank, there's a documentary I think that is actually on YouTube about him. And, and we obviously, I, I did something when we made too good to go down. We concentrated on that era uh, with Frank as well. Um, he was a good man, a good manager. Um, un- unfairly really tainted by his time at Old Trafford, but a lot of managers are like that um, and remembered for, for what happened. But, um, yeah, a man of tremendous dignity and class and um, a sad loss and just feel a little bit sad that United didn't mark that with a little bit more respect. Maybe they'll do it tomorrow night, um, but it really should have been done on Saturday. Um, um, we got a comment in from uh, Ben tomorrow uh, wondering if we're better off without Fernandez given his performances or antics. Well, we'll come to that Athletic Madrid in um, good time. Um, but yeah, it's a question that we can definitely ask. Um, we should start off talking about the game against Spurs. Um, and again, I think maybe reserve special praise for Ronaldo a little bit later, but we'll talk about the game. Because the games are running out now, and you know teams are picking up wins. Chelsea won, Arsenal won again. You are waiting the potential repercussions of what happens with Chelsea's financial situation. All that might impact the top four. United simply had to concentrate on their own game of the weekend. Paul, they had to get on with winning, get back to winning ways. Really, and some of those flaws that we know they were definitely present, and they did come back to hurt United a few times. But we have spent enough time analysing those flaws. But we know Harry Maguire. We know everything about him. We can talk about, you know, the the bad, the bad on goal, or we can talk about the the volleyed back pass, which give me palpitations. But we know that we know that now about Maguire. So let's look at what we did do. We won three two. Look on the bright side of it. Ragnik said in the build up to the game, I think it's about time we started learning from the mistakes and performances. But I think it's probably too late to say that about this squad. Um, we do also know they're equally capable of putting together good performances and good runs of form, and that's what they need to do from now to the end of the season. They needed to win on Saturday, and they needed to play an entertaining game. I can't say, and on heart, even though we won, that it was a, a thoroughly convincing performance. Uh, we scored three goals, but it looked like Ronaldo was the only one who was going to score for us. Um, so he was definitely the, the difference. I thought Sancho was pretty good. I thought Fred was magnificent. Um 
But even when you are saying Ronaldo is the difference, a team is still 11 players, and those 11 players won the game. And what they did show, Paul, is a resilience to keep going for the full game, right? That's certainly fairly new under Ragnik because, yes, we've won late on before, but this time they they actually dealt with two setbacks and they kept going and, and they won the game late on. Um, an entertaining poll, entertaining game poll, and a crucial win. Yeah, it was entertaining, but not the entertaining you would expect from two major names in the top yeah. division of English football. It was entertaining on the up just the, the amount of non-pressured mistakes given. You know, when given the ball away, it was yeah. sloppy. How many times did Sun fall over? You just yeah, slip Even I kind of think, what's going on here? You do it once or twice, and I think the Sir Alex, if you did that once or twice, I think he'll drag you off. He'll yeah. tell you, you, he'll say to you, you haven't prepared properly. That's yeah. what he'll say. You haven't, you haven't done your work when you go out and warm up. You, you know, you're doing your twisting and turning. You must know if you've got the right footwear on. So that was one of the, you know disappointing point. One of the disappointing points of Spurs with United, it was a reasonably good 20, 25 minutes, but then it's just sloppy again. It's just no great second half performance. They've been like that all season, to be perfectly honest. There isn't no discipline in their play still in that sense of just, you know, getting control of a game, trying to trying to do something positive with it. And the moment they went one nil up, you never felt that they was going to be able to keep it. They went two one up. You never they allowed Spurs in. No different to Man City. With, they were like Man City without the quality. They allowed them to get back in the game. You know, whatever happens, you know, if you get if you allow someone to get to... And it ha- was happening in the first half on the left-hand side between Harry Maguire and um, Tellez. How many times did they get to the byline and poor decisions cost Spurs? Yeah. The final ball. They've done it so many times. And you think, so, it's coming. You can always see it's coming. And... I look at the second goal, and I know we're going to get it more, but just the fact of Harry Maguire, it started with him and finished with him. Because pulling back on the shirt, he's pulling yeah. back, he's defending, he's outside of his box, he's pulling back on someone's shirt. Just do your work, move your feet. Just do that. Don't pull on shirts and give fouls away or try to attempt. But it was it was shocking. And then all of a sudden the ball goes out out on the left-hand side and, and then all of a sudden he's, he's putting the ball in the back of the net. I think that's why Romero had a go at him after yeah. after he scored. He's, he's had a go at him, but defence is still a massive problem. There's too many teams break through them easy, and the you know the easy way to come out and say, "Oh, it's about the midfield." Yes, the midfield's poor. It was better. Fred was the best player on the pitch, yeah. in my opinion, just by everything he'd done. He made a difference to United in that midfield because he's got energy and he will. When there's yards in front of him, he will make a foray into those yards with a ball at his feet. Is he one of the best in the league at doing that? Nowhere near it. Is he one that wants to do it? Yes, he does want to do it. You wouldn't see anyone else doing it. You wouldn't see Fernandes running with a ball like that. He'd be looking to try and knock a big 30, 40 yarder. Scott McTominay couldn't do that in a million years. It's, it's, mm. not, it's not in his locker. But then you think, it's up, so going back to it, you're looking for a defensive shield. That's still not there. But even then, I must say, Wayne, that when you in, you employ people as defenders, every now and again, or quite a lot, you're going to be asked to defend in one-against-one situations. And you would expect your defenders of Manchester United to be able to deal with it 
nine times out of ten. Yeah. You know, and I played with maybe when you speak to people, people keep saying about Brucey, he was slow. I would just say about Brucey, he wasn't the quickest centre half. See, yeah. I mean, because it'd be, I think it'd be a disservice if I said he was slow because no one went past him that easy. Yeah. They didn't go past his him. was brilliant. His position. He, yeah, but he was just clever. He just got himself in such good areas. And I'll tell you what, he had ways of stopping people with, and it looked like an accident. You know, he just, he just had a way of doing it, put his body in the way of people. You wouldn't see him pulling at people's shirt because they can't get near him or they've cheated on their defending or cheated on their starting position. He wouldn't be doing that. And it's just disappointing to see so many players and more so Manchester United's players, namely Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, pulling and fighting at people all the time when you know in theory that football is becoming less and less non-contact. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. less and less co- a contact game, yeah. I should say. So you got you got to be you got to be better than that now. You you must have learned something, and they're just not doing it. So United, as as much as that has been going, because that game was equivalent to the for the previous fixture. The fact of United got smashed five 0 by Liverpool going into that game last time. If you remember yeah. at White Hart yeah. Lane, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the game then was was quite tepid. It was a tale of two poor teams, and this one was very similar to that in certain ways. So what United have done more than anything is after the embarrassment of the second half where they couldn't be bothered to run around and just wanted the game over and done with, they've got a win, which is a bonus because they needed a win to go into the game against Atletico Madrid. Yeah. It's as simple as that. They definitely needed that because they didn't get that. The press would have been, you know, everyone would have been kind of almost named and shamed and that's given them breathing space before this game. Yeah. Uh, very quickly before we move on to Ronaldo, um, the penalties. Right. The, there's I a lot of people are saying that, that they shouldn't have been given that, but I, I I thought both were pens to be honest. What did I you thought, think? I thought I thought the one with Eric Dyer and I think Eric Dyer never been a more apt name really to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't think that's handball. For the simple reason is, no, because he's it's a balance thing. You're on about arms and he's stretching forward. So as you're stretching forward, you're, you're, as you're stretching to stick your leg out, yeah. your legs are moving forward, you're leaning back, you put your arms out to counteract the fact of going back. Otherwise, you go back, it'd be a cartoon moment. If you did, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just, if you're on about a natural position of your arms, is not down by your side when you're stretching forward. It's impossible. Because all you're going to do is just roll over. <laughs> you know, and people have got to relate to themselves, try it themselves. Try and, yeah. sl- try and almost slide forward without putting your arms back because you want your arms in that position to, <laughs> to stop you falling over and maybe dislocating your shoulder or something. So that's not a penalty to me, and that was the right decision. And one would tell us, your arm's up there and you're doing... Your arms should never... There's no reason for his arms to be up there. That's an easy one. That's the thing a goalkeeper does. Yeah. Not a left back when he's trying to defend, you know. So, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to... Sorry, we, we've done it now, but you're just going to get into it. And, and this is the problem now that's happening with defending because def- people are scared of defending. They're not trusting the system at the moment. Ronaldo's first goal, and again, it's that man maybe the most apt name in football, Eric Dyer. Instead of Ronaldo scores his goal for the first time this season, no one is they're not gone close to him. And that, that's a massive he needs that. He needs that now. 
because he's good with his finishing, he sees it. The old adage, he's got an eye for goal. So he's got that room in front of him. They not Spurs players have not decided instantaneously to go out to him. He's gone. He's just gone bang. What you see is Eric Dyer standing there in front of him. Instead of working to go towards him, he decides to stand there and he has his arms behind his back. One is outside the box. Two, he's trying to shuffle forward with his arms behind his back. He was like a poor man speed skater. He was terrible. So I think defenders have got to maybe you've got, got to try and tr- just trust the system and say, I'm going to close down. So I'm going to have my arms down by my side, as you would do. You wouldn't, your arms wouldn't be out there. And I'm going to get close and I'm going to try and block the shot. If it hits my arm, the referee and the assistant referee and the people in the broom cupboard at Heathrow are going to see that I'm defending. I'm in, in a position where my arms are reasonably close to my body, but I'm going to block the shot. His arms are behind him. Because if Ronaldo, if he goes out and Ronaldo goes into him and Ronaldo faints to shoot, yeah. he's got his arms behind his back and Ronaldo takes it. How is he going to get across there? Because he hasn't got his arms to move. Yeah. So it's a big problem at this moment in time for defenders. And it's an easy excuse to throw up about defending. Everyone, you know, tell us. He's got no excuse. Ranić will say, he'll say exactly the same. The Tottenham one was definitely a penalty. He might want to call out, he might want to call out the one that, that maybe they, United should have had, but I don't think he's really got a case for that. So the problem is defenders need to trust the system and believe, or to be honest, let's, let's get it right, people have to decide to start defending properly again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're well qualified to talk about that. Absolutely. Um, and then you're right, you know, defensively, continues to be a mess, but on both sides. But, I mean, let's not take away from the quality of the finishing. Let's talk about Ronaldo then, because yes, there are problems. Yes, he might not have been Oli's preference when you're looking at what, if you'd have given him a choice of a midfielder or a striker, he would have probably gone with a midfielder. Yes, he hasn't exactly suited a team that plays like we do and doesn't cross in the way that he's used to doing. But good grief, Paul, sometimes when a player puts in a, not, not necessarily a performance, but when they, all of their experience and they, they're like a little bit of a force of nature. Like, and we, that's what we've seen with Ronaldo sometimes this season, mostly in the Champions League, but certainly again on Saturday. You just have to marvel at it sometimes, don't you? Cantona, like, it's exactly the same kind of thing. Like, he would disappear from games and then he'd pop up and make the difference. Obviously, a more crucial moments than what we've seen this season from Ronaldo, but Ronaldo, we can easily put him in the, the Cantonal bracket. And sometimes when you're not winning trophies, all right, but you, you've got a chance of winning three trophies a season. The likelihood is you're not going to win one every season. And even a club like United is still, you know, we, we get spoiled, but still football is about moments and it's about making history. And that's what he did on Saturday. First goal, an absolute screamer. I know that you've, you're right, Dyer needs to be, be blocking him down, but the quality of the strike is just breathtaking, isn't it? And in, in a way, it's like, it, it, it's, it's his own thing that you're used to it from Ronaldo, which is a, a thing in itself, right? Yeah. I mean, it's everything, everything the goals that Ronaldo scored are the, and all the way they all occurred is the way that United haven't been doing that all season. Yeah. Forget the first one was just about about Tottenham and how poor they are and the reason why they've got problems. They've got maybe the 
one or first or second best manager in Europe at this moment in time in Conte. But he's struggling. He's having issues with Daniel Levy. He's not been able to manage in a way he wants to manage that yeah. team and get what he wants. But he's trying to make the best of a bad bunch. No different to what's happening at Manchester United. Yeah. But you, you, you look in them, so he, he's not getting back what he wants. So he wants, so all, most of the games that he has played, Ronaldo, he has had never had that much room that far from goal. Yeah. Always someone in and around, and he's having to run away with the ball. He's having, and he's trying to drop off to find space. Those teams are going, no, no, no. We know he can't really run behind as he used to. We know that all, we know all his strengths, so we know that we cannot still afford to give him, take, you know, try and disrespect yeah. how old he is. But Tottenham did. They allowed him that space to shoot. And to be honest, that's the first real time you've seen Ronaldo try and hit one like that because he's never really had the, he's never really had the space. And when he has had the opportunity, someone has always been breathing down his his neck, and he's always been under pressure. He's had enough time to set that right, get his head up, and go bang. Now, if Ronaldo can't do that from there, then Ronaldo isn't Ronaldo that everyone knows. But he, there we are, bang, done. Yeah, Paul, Paul Parker. Yeah, Paul Parker eat a bit of humble pie, but the other two goals were all about what Manchester United haven't been doing with Ronaldo and the team, and what they should have been doing. I mean, yeah. we saw it once in the first half, and Tellers has hit off his left foot almost by the touchline. This yeah. incredible cross, it, yeah. and I'm, he just—you could just see the whip on it. The way that ball was just virtually just, just like it, just like it was like a lasso. The ball, the ball was like virtually yeah. almost. Yeah, coming back the other side, it might have gone three, four, three, four yards back the other way if it does if it had gone over Ronaldo's head. It was fantastic, yeah. and Ronaldo's you, you watch his movement and he does that. The moment someone gets the ball and he thinks they're in the crossing position, that's when he does his move. But yeah. ninety-nine times out of a hundred, or a, or ninety-nine nine nine hundred and ninety-nine times out of a thousand, the cross never comes in. So yeah. he gets annoyed. And then he's got to start again. And at the moment, he's not one of them who wants to start again. Yeah. That, that isn't really there, which you would expect. Yeah. The annoyance is there and the frustration then comes out. And we've yeah. seen all the bits then where you don't really want to see from a senior pro yeah. of, that, of that standard. But Luke Shaw's never done that in a million years. Yeah. Never done it. Never, never lifts his head to do that. All he's bothered out, head down, run. Play wide, run into the hole that you want a Sancho running with the ball himself. Luke Shaw fills that hole, maybe more that hole than anyone else. He doesn't do it. He won't deliver a ball early. And an early cross is always better than a delayed great cross. Yeah. yeah. Just because cause defenders aren't set. They're not yes. set properly to do things in certain ways. But if someone delays it, they're set. You're not getting the movement. And you can deal with someone 20 foot. Yeah. Me, me at five foot seven up against someone twenty foot. If people delay the cross. I can get close. I can block the run. But you knock it early. I've got no chance. No chance. Doesn't matter how big that person is. Even if I'm bigger than that person, which was a rarity. Um, but if it, I can't deal with it, then all of a sudden, then yeah. size is a problem. So the two goals come about because they played. They got Ronaldo in the right areas, facing the goal. And he's, if he's facing the goal and the ball's in and around him. He's generally going to hit the target, isn't he? Yeah. So, Sancho um, looks like his decision making is getting better, and that proved with the with the second goal. Um, simple one this time, um, but still 
even with the simplest goal, is a bit of history because he becomes the leading goal scorer in the history of the men's sport. 806 goals. It's remarkable. I mean, take it away from, from the actual goal a moment because it was simple enough. But for a player who was a winger for the first few years of his career, for the first three seasons, didn't look like a goal scorer at all, to have gone on this journey where he's become the top scorer of all time. It's some, and I'm talking like in the context of a season where, all right, we've not done very well, but you've seen him come back and we've seen these last-minute winners and you've seen elements of this greatness and now you've seen the products of that greatness and you know you've got an actual record that we all saw broken which is i'm not saying it's as good as winning a title but it's still a little piece of history that we've witnessed and you've just got to marvel at it i mean someone who scored that many goals we take it for granted a little bit like you were saying earlier you know like ronaldo does what ronaldo does you know you, you almost expect it of him but it's a level of and you've seen how difficult it is to move out of your comfort zone with Messi this season. And that's, you know, if you, they're the two players that you mentioned in the same breath. So you move one player away. And Ronaldo's done that like three or four times and come back into the league. Um, yeah, he's not the same Ronaldo of old, of old. But that number, Paul, 806, well, 807 now, it's just, it's something else, isn't it? I mean, when you're growing up and we were, you know, when you were playing and when I was watching the game when you were younger, we were watching Cantona score 25 goals a season and or, or Uzi getting 10 or 11 and thinking it's not about the number of goals, it's about the timing of the goals and the, and the venue and the situation and everything like that. And it's almost like he's rewritten the rule book, isn't it, for, for this kind of... This tally is just incredible, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not, you know, there's going to be no one anywhere near that. You know, at my, when my time's up, it's not going to happen again for a long, long time. And given how football is and the way that football is changing, I think a lot of it not in a positive way, it's, it's not going to happen again. It isn't going to happen. It'd be inter interesting in numbers of games that players are going to play because yeah, hmm. players now are maybe getting too tired now to play so many games and, so when they get more and more tired, they get more and more wages as well because they might get tired. And would you get if compensation if you're tired, you get more money. And that means you ain't got to run around as hard and you take away enthusiasm and you you take away that that ambition about to achieve and win things. And, and when yeah. you get dropped, you, you're happy because you can rest yeah. and not be tired. You need that rest. You need that rest. Not that I'm really bothered about all this, but... <laughs> but no, play, players are not searching it before. I mean, my big, my one of my biggest disappointments. I just didn't think I played enough games. In the yeah. end, I looked at it and just didn't play. I wanted to play more. I wanted to win more, and that's no different to Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo again is one of those players who got, who in theory got, he got Fergied, in the yeah. sense of he made him hungry. He made yeah. him understand that. That isn't enough. You can get more. You can sit back on that. You can dine out on it. But after a while, you end up having to pay the tab yourself. Yeah. If you just go on and you, you can keep going and going and going. And, that, and, that's what, and that's what he's become. You know, it was easy for Sir Alex. He could have sat back so many times and just lived off what he'd done. But he went as, he went as far as he could. And he's, made, and he's just maybe, you know, maybe proven not only being the greatest manager, but maybe the cleverest manager because... He 100% knew when his time was up. 
yeah. he knew when to stop. And after him and um, Van Persie got United over the line for that 2013 Premier League title, maybe one of the poorest Manchester United sides to win that title. I'm, you know, that's what I believe. I believe not one of the nowhere near. You couldn't put them near any other Man United team that won that Premier League title. That that title was won by Van Persie and the boss. They're the ones who got them over. That's over that over that finishing line in the end. So um, Sir Alex got out when he knew he knew how it was getting more and more difficult to manage in a fashion that he managed because of the mentality of the players who were coming through. Yeah. You know, he knew he just weren't he just couldn't get what he wanted out of them. He knew that. Some of them wouldn't be able to deal with him. He knew that they'd be, they'd be, you know, they'd be crying off all the time. So he stepped away from it, and he's been, he's been proven right to come away from it because you've seen it. We saw what happened to Arsene Wenger when he yeah. tried to stay in there, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, and, and they called up, they called him the professor. God knows what you call Sir Alex if, if he's called a professor. Yeah. Um, Ronaldo, obviously the exception, and you see the younger. Yeah. Which is still there, which is evident in the second goal. I think you you need that as much, as many games you want to play. There's players out. Look at Ibrahimovic. He he's had that as well. Yeah. There's that hunger. There's that being selfish that you want more and more. And that's why he you know he's angry and he gets frustrated with players because he's seen people who are not like him and he's playing football in the sense of but how can you beat you playing football? Surely you want to play. Surely you want to win. And that's what it is. And that's for me. That's football. That's why I was. And every one of my era, we ran around in the garden. We played against kids in the street, played against our brothers. Every time cup finals, we would kick, you know, we were kicking about just before it. Half time, be kicking, playing after the game, be kicking about. And they're all the things we do. When you get the opportunity to get to a club and then you go, and you're there, you want then all the other things. You want the FA Cup. Yeah. You, want to, you want to play for your country. You know, now I want to play in the Champions League. And you kind of go, what about playing for your club and winning, you know, try, you know, you want to win things. Yes, you want to play in Champions League, but surely you must want to play for your country. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. You know, it's... I never said I never said I wanted to play in a European Cup. I wanted to I wanted to play for the biggest team possible and I want to play in an FA Cup and you know and I want to play I want to play for my country. Yeah. Nothing that's that's what that's what the head's gone around. It's been pushed into people's head now about the Champions League. It's virtually bigger than representing your country. So yeah. Ronaldo's flipped it, to be honest. He's done fantastic. Yeah, it's about like, yeah, it's profile and brand and exposure. Ronaldo, it's funny that you say that because all of those things do apply to Ronaldo in terms of wanting to be in the Champions League. But you know his incentive is different. It's different because he wants to keep adding the numbers. And Sam, we'll talk about Atletico in a moment, but... Just to close on on the Spurs game, the third the third goal, the header that wins the game. Um, obviously a rarity because it's a goal from a corner. Anyway, I know that we got one at Leeds recently, but Paul, I've watched. I keep watching this hat trick back, and the more I watch the third goal, I'm more impressed with the header than I am with the the shot in the first off. I see it's just extraordinary how he, he's he's throwing off a couple of challenges and then arches his head. And the, to get the power in and the way that it flies in the top corner as well, it, it's again Ronaldo doing Ronaldo things. Yeah, it, well, I mean, we saw him score so many goals like that for Real Madrid. That's when everyone saw the strength of him where he's heading with Real Madrid. Yeah. That's when he kind of he that's when he he changed his game, didn't he, at Real Madrid yeah. more than anything. Come from the touchline, stepped inside, and he reinvented himself playing in that role. 
Not, I don't know, I wouldn't want to call it as a centre forward because he doesn't play as a centre forward. He's nowhere near being a centre. There's nothing about his game that suggests he wants to be a centre forward. He wants to still be facing the goal, but obviously from a central area. But his leap and the way he can just get that extra little bit of hanging there, it seems like he extends his neck a lot of the times. And and to be honest, he hasn't had many of those opportunities in the box. What's going on? And again, he's playing against Spurs and the way people are defending now, they're not looking at the ball, they're looking at the players. You know, it's about blocking people off and people throwing themselves to the floor, trying to get penalties all the time. Um, so I get fouls so, so they can stop stop the play and things. But I mean, that that was him to a T. And you are right about that. It was a, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful header, you know. And and to be honest, he got what he deserved out of it because I think he's someone said he had eight efforts and goal or something and. And there's like five five on target or something, five yeah. on you know. So he he's made you know he's made his own luck. He's earned the right, and you know and, he, and Tottenham gave him that space. He's never had that much space in all no, the games he's true. played. Never had that space, and what it was, he took up the opportunity. So now it's going to make other teams want to work even harder because they know it's still there now. They know yeah. it's there if he's given space. If you make it hard for him, it's it's harder for him to earn that space as he did many years ago but still you just know if you can just get and play with a little bit more common sense and put balls in areas when he's facing goal you know he is desperate to still to break record break records and extend records yeah well he's broken it now he's he's out on his own and you've got um the feeling that he wants to add to that legacy um yeah and he will and he will you know he will um how long that stays at united i don't know but there is a special joy in, in seeing that because, I mean, you've now seen a player trying to make a statement to become the, the best ever. And yeah, maybe it's about numbers, but you know he wants the trophies as well. And I don't know, it's a complicated mess whether or not that's a, the Ronaldo package in its entirety is a, a positive thing for United. But obviously that's going to depend on the kind of players that we move out and the players that we bring in. Because if you get the right players in who create the spaces, then you know they might do enough for Ronaldo. You know, like it's not always about the opponent being being um, timid. Yeah. There's a few things. I mean, yeah, you're completely right. It's something that you've noticed on, um, especially under Ragnick, is that when when we're defending corners, every single player is back, and you know it's all about defending. There's no, there's no urgency. He, he, yeah, he needs it. To be honest, I think he's he's trying to play to what the strength of the players he's got, and. He, I think he knows that he needs them all back because he knows how weak his back four is. I was still one of the things that disappointed me was that he never gave Lindelof the opportunity to play with Varane. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's that's overdue. By the way, that's definitely overdue. I, Lindelof okay. was taken out because of the the car, uh, the 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 house invasion. But Maguire's form, Maguire was dropped previous to that. He was actually yeah. dropped. So yeah. and and his form's not improved and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I'd like, to, I'd like to see Varane extend himself a bit more. I yeah. look at him play. I'm, I'm looking at the silly gloves. I'm not, I'm not getting the gloves. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's extended himself. Mm. I expected to see more of him. Yeah. And every time I keep watching him, I look at him and I think to myself, yeah, you, you lived in the pocket of Ramos. Yeah. Ramos, Ramos played your game for you, and he's as much as he's got in his trophy cabinet. He's never really. He's not. He's not a leader of men. He yeah, we need to see he, he play, Yeah, he plays within himself, and 
I, you know, I'd, I want to, I'd like to see him and Lindelof together. I don't know if you get that little bit more cu- cuteness with the two of them together, that little bit more modern day central part defensive partnership rather than the the big the big brawly kind of non agile set you know centre half as as what Harry Maguire is. So um, I'm just I'd just like to see that just to see how those two look together and yeah. you know and against somebody like some like against Atletico and you think about the first goal that Atletico scored or the only goal they scored in that first leg you say to yourself oh man that movement off of Jao Felix across the front that movement is something that someone agile and more kind of defensive minded as Lindelof is you know he senses danger a little bit better than Harry Maguire you think yeah. so that could make a difference yeah absolutely um yeah, closing on the thing, we'll move to Madrid in a second. Um, well, I wish you could move to Madrid. Um, the at-tricks, um, I can't think of many better at-tricks than that. I've been, obviously, I've been working with Sammy Mack for the last year and, and a bit. And I keep, I've always been saying to him, like I said it recently to him as well, um, you know, the, the at-trick he scored against Wolves on the day that Brian Robson's uh, signed, it's up there. I can't think. I've always been saying I can't think of many better at tricks. You've got Rooney's debut at trick, which is quality, Berbatov's at trick against Liverpool, but really that's remembered for the acrobatic goal he scored rather than the other two. Um, and now Ronaldo scores this one. I don't, you know, it's the first, whenever you get an at trick, the likelihood is if you get a really good goal and then a second really good goal, the third one, which the tapping, you're gonna, you're always gonna get like a, a lesser goal, but. Um, yeah, I th- it's up there. It's up there. One of the greatest hat tricks that um, in United history for sure. And you're going to need Ronaldo in that kind of form tomorrow. One-one um, from the first leg. No away goal to to worry about. So shouldn't be quite so intimidated. It is you would expect because of the um, the nature of who Simeone is that he's going to put in a classic Simeone resolute rearguard display. To, not because they can't attack, because we've seen that they can definitely attack, and we can see that if they want to attack, we're perfectly happy to be vulnerable about it. But I always remember the game they played at, um, at Liverpool a couple of years ago, and um, you know, and they played that that system to a tee, and then they won. Did they win in extra time against them at, at Liverpool? But you know that they can do it. You know that they're capable of doing it. It's. And, in, and again, it's kind of like the stage for Ronaldo. Now he's hit this, um, what's that? He, he's hit form again. He's he's got on the goal trail again. It's kind of like the stage is set for him, right? He, that's the that's the positive way of looking at this. But um, I don't I don't know. I look at this and I think because it's level and because there's no away goals, I don't know if that raises the jeopardy of it because of the way that they play. Yeah, it's a it's a you know maybe. Three, well, three, three more seasons down the line of Champions League, that being that way go, I maybe have a little bit more, but it's trying to to relate to it now because that always that always gave games the edge. It always made something about it. It gave you some more to talk about it. Now, would everyone be that little bit more positive in the game because of what's gone on yeah. with United being at one-one? But would it have been one-one? Would would um Atletico have played the game different after going one 0 up to with the away goal? If the if the away goals rule had been there, would they have been different in their approach or how or not their approach 
if they'd have gone one nil up, would they have sat that little bit more? I thought that's enough. We're not going to give anything away. We don't really know. So we go into this game, we don't know. The one thing is though, you saw Atletico, they're a good side. They're not the Atletico of years ago. Yes, they still can be so you know they're still quite defensive minded, and they've got you know they've got the jailer on the touchline who will be rattling the keys, threatening all of them. That will lock them up if they don't defend properly. Um, but they have got the individuals who can make and score goals. So it's just about who's he going to play is. And I think you you do need a you do need a Fred in there. You do yeah. need his legs in yeah. there because it's going to be about getting the ball because United are not going to keep the ball. Even though Atletico are not a, a you know a keep ball side as much. Yeah, they, they want they want United to have the ball. Like they want, yeah, but, but United yeah. even if even if they give it to them, they'll give it back. Yeah, the way yeah. they play. But Fred is one of them. He'll get around. He'll get close to people, and he'll and he'll do and he and he will cause a problem. It's about how he's going to do it. And that was a question mentioned earlier. It's a team about Fernandez playing yeah. without Fernandez. And I looked at that. I, I looked at what he had in there, and I think to myself, if you if you maybe had someone with maybe more legs than Matage in there, and that you would have turned around and said that's a a reasonable midfield, not a great Manchester United midfield, but it's a midfield that can get around the park. Yeah, up and up and around the park, and Fred proved that on his own he could do it. So there is some way when you look at it about Fernandez, because Fernandez. Um, he's one of those players that I think he, he winds everyone up. He affects he affects the team in the wrong way sometimes. And as yeah. mentioned, with his antics, the way he carries on, he gets the back he gets the referees back up. You know, and if you're playing with someone like that, I mean, what you're looking for from your captain sometimes is when he's there, when he's doing that, you need you need a captain go across and say, get up, stop doing that. You're affecting us. You're stopping the game. Your dramas. You're affecting the referee. You yeah. know, get on with it, stay on your feet. And if someone tackles and it's not given a foul, go back, win the ball back, stop them going forward and then do it. But don't just sit on the floor complaining and watch us watch us being put under pressure. Stop doing it. It's a team game. I, so, I saw Ronaldo do that on Saturday. Did I, I don't know if it was Tellers he went over. And, with Ronaldo, if we all remember his first three years, he's rich. He's yeah. one to talk, but I saw him doing it. Yeah. And there was a moment when Pogba went down and he was looking like he was like dead, and Ronaldo was just like getting on with it, and then Pogba yeah. eventually just like pulled himself up and and got on with it. But yeah, you're right. We we do we yeah. What what can you do when you've got the the sort of key creative influences a player who's got those kind of histrionics, and then the captain is a captain who doesn't accept any responsibility or doesn't really mm. dictate any any sort of accountability. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing there with that, so. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. But Fred's got surely got to play because because he's played himself in. He's playing his best definitely since since Tuchel's um, Tuchel. I'll come on to him in a moment. Since Ragnick's arrived, Fred's playing his best football for United. I think that's fair to say. He's got a yeah. he's got a role for him, and like you said, he's still not convinced in the, in terms of his actual quality. But or, or, and maybe that's to do with the players around him as well. But he's certainly, he's certainly been one of the best players since. Fred's, Fred's, Fred's one of the few in, <clears throat> within that Manchester United squad who I think Randy in that style he wanted to play, or this style that he's supposed to be famous for. Fred's the only one who could mostly play in it. Yeah, yeah. Because he's because no, yeah. he's got because he can go out and come back in 
and running and getting around the park is quite effortless for him. He can do that. It's easy. Running is easy. He's got a good stride in him and he's got high energy, you know, and he doesn't go missing. Always wants the ball. And I yeah. always say that if he gives it away, he won't go missing. He will, he will go back and try and, and try and get it back again and try to rectify his mistake. And they're the kind of players you need when you're having a bit of a poor time as, 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 as a team. You need someone like him who doesn't go missing. And Fred, Fred's definitely one of them. Yeah, um, Anthony Williams makes a, a good comment in the, the comment section. They says, I win. A long-standing criticism of this United team is that they don't seem to communicate with each other. Ryan Nick has tried to get the players listening to his instructions. Is that a lack of trust? It may be, it may be, I, it could be. I, Paul, it's an interesting one because the key word is always going to be accountability and responsibility. And we have sort of talked about this many times where the transference of that happened, you know, whether it was Mourinho sort of going, oh, we're not trying the league, we'll just go for the Europa League. When it happened, when this culture kicked in of thing, whether it's to do with a social media presence, what do you think? Is it a, is it a lack of trust? Is it is it a, a key is it a key point there that Anthony's saying that the players have got to they've got to learn to trust the manager? Or I mean, what what is it? What's the what's that fundamental thing there that's missing? See, trust is a word that's come into football. It's popped up in football like closing down in a low block, pressing, I should say, in a low block. In other words, you're sitting deep. People have tried to, you know, embellish everything and make it sound more orientated to FIFA, playing FIFA. I don't know really where it's all come from, but I just think at the end of the day, it's, it's respect. It's not trust. Yeah. Your manager, someone's asked you to do something, your manager as such, or yeah. whatever you... And you're not doing it. So what you're doing is you're disrespecting him. So then what you are doing, then you're disrespecting your team because you've been asked to do something as a player. You haven't gone and done it. That means you're letting your team down. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. I would take I would take a rollicking off of my boss all day long. But I would not want to get a rollicking or lose the faith of the, people, the team I'm playing in. Because yeah. then that would affect me off the pitch and that's going to affect my game and that's going to affect the team as such. And... And that's the difference now is I think players are more individuals than yeah. what they are as team team men. They are yeah. that's that's the way they are, that's the nature of the beast now, that's the nature of social media, that's the nature of our world today. We're quite we are as people more selfish than what we what what we were before. Yeah. You can't you can't hide the fact we there's always selfishness around. You can't hide it. You can't make out it's never been there, but it's got worse. And I don't know if it's because of a lot of it's social media and then added to the fact of two years in the twilight zone as such of life and not been able to do everything and people just grab what they can. But the mentality of the footballers of the top level, the circus league, has changed. It's as simple as that. You drop down into more and more the British league, the proper the proper league, where you're getting a lot more honesty from the players and you'll see a different game. You'll see a different calibre of players. Yeah. And I think you'll find that over time that the players who come through from down there and they come in into the, as I call it, the circus league, um, you'll find they'll be the they'll be the right fit because they're honest and they're they're playing they're playing for their lives they're playing to get something that they always wanted was the adulation, the opportunity to play for a bigger club, and then the opportunity to make their lives better. Well, I think a lot of players who have been born into that into that life haven't got that. They've got it all so early and they haven't got that same drive and they don't think they have to listen. You know, they've got parents who maybe 
pushing them their own way for their own devices and they're not listening listening anymore. The fact that we've gone to coaches now rather than managers has made a big difference. Players are not confiding in managers anymore and they're not talking to if they've got problems. They're just other people are trying to do this and do that. So the moment yeah. a player's got a problem, if they're not running to their parents, they're running to their agent and they're asking their agent to speak to an owner where before you had a chairman. A chairman was kind of a local person, someone who's worried about his team, his community as such, and that's all gone now. So football, the long and short of it, what I should have said, football, I should say the top level football has come away from the working class going into, gone into middle class. Yeah, that's a good assessment. Um, very thorough, and I agree with every word. But before we wrap up, very interesting thing to top uh, to just sort of touch on a little bit um, because we don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know how impacted Chelsea are going to be. But you talked about people getting what they can, and certainly vultures will be circling over, and they'll be looking at what's happening at Chelsea and the financial situation. And Tuchel's already come out and said that he's committed for the rest of the season. Um, you don't know what's going to happen in terms of the administration. If they're going to suffer administration, if if this is going to obviously they can't renew contracts, we know that. So that means the likes of Rudiger, he's already basically looking for a place to go. Um, but you look through some of those players, Paul, and if they're available for comparative peanuts. I mean, United would be silly to to not be looking at this very closely. I mean, Reese James would be an outstanding because he's probably the best right back in the league this season. I, I think I think he's just been unbelievable. Um, so you've got him, Rudiger um, is a no brainer because he's got that kind of leadership quality that you've talked about. Perhaps not in the commanding way that Ramos has got it, but he, he definitely charges with the ball a little bit. Um, do, you, do you want to make this easier? Yeah. Just, you don't know names. Just say maybe sixty percent of those players would be would be good for Manchester United. That's the better. That's the better way of going around it, rather than go with individuals. Because I was I was going to go for three. I was going to go Rudiger, James, and Kante. But regardless of the players, the main one that everyone's talking about is Tuchel. Because I mean, because he's the manager, because he's German, because he he's one of these um, managers that leads this kind of system, and um, that Rangnick is is favouring. And that's the question that Ben's asking: Would he be a good fit for United? If, and there must be a good chance that he becomes available, not because of, not just because of the finances, but because of the the pressure that he's being put under. No manager will want to be in, in that situation. Yeah. So, is that? I mean, everyone's been talking about Pochettino. Everyone's been talking about Ten Hag. Is really the Chelsea man the one that we should be going for? The thing about it, though, is that there's a lot of Manchester United fans who are just who jump onto everything and they look at names and. They've got their reasons behind this and behind that. But it's still the biggest problem is you bring in Tuchel and then he still has to work with the people up above. Is that yeah. going to make any difference? Everyone was screaming and shouting about Mourinho. He's going to do this now. He's this. He's a winner. He was a winner ages ago. If you bring in Sir Alex, you could bring in Sir Alex Ferguson and said exactly the same about him. But football had, has evolved. Mourinho, Mourinho hasn't, didn't evolve. He's still living in the old way of trying to manage and carrying on from most years ago. I said my bit about him. I did. I just thought everything, would, and it wasn't a football point of view of him. It was a personality. His personality wasn't right for Manchester United. It wasn't. It wasn't going to work because of the way he is. 
We'd seen that previous, but still fell into that trap. God knows who was in the ear of the owners to go and bring him in. Someone told him, and it was completely wrong for Manchester United to have brought him in. And the problem is, he's stuck in the history of Manchester United, which is a shame, in my opinion. But too cool. It'd be no different. Good manager. Definitely proven. Yes, got everything. Chelsea suited him because he could go out and get the players that he felt he needed to do it. I don't think he brought Lukaku, though. I, I think it's almost yeah. obvious he didn't, Brian. Just didn't. Lukaku never come into it. That was, that was a club thing. Must have been. Um, but if he, comes to, if he was to come to United, it would have to be the best way. There's no, there's no point in, like, well, if you look at Tuchel, you go out and buy yourself the most expensive suit ever, a £1,000 suit, and then you put on a pair of shoes that cost you a tenner. So I'm saying you bring in a Tuca with all his manual experience, all that he's achieved, then you turn around and say, there's your squads. And what, yeah, what can I bring in? Um, well, maybe we can give you 80 million maybe in January. And yeah. what do you want from me? Um, we, want, we want guaranteed Champions League football. With this same squad? No. No, you wouldn't come, you wouldn't come to that. You would not walk into that job if you're too cool after being at Chelsea you know, do you think? Do you think though? Because do you not think that everyone was talking about? It? We, was it Agbonho? He was on talk, talk sport, and Agbonho was on saying, "Oh, United aren't a, a big club anymore, and oh. the, the, you know, not the biggest club in the world." Do you not think that even with all that, what you've mentioned, which is un, um, you can't even argue with it because it's all facts. Do you think that there's still the draw though that he would say it's United? I can't turn it down. I don't know if that works anymore. I really don't know if that works anymore. I think I just, I think I just have to turn around and say, he's where he's leaving. You know, he's, he might be coming away. We don't know what's going to happen. There's no guarantees. Everyone's, you know, has got their own opinion. Everyone's an expert. Again, another thing that everyone's an expert on is what yeah. happened at War Starts, and um, all of a sudden, person, one of the people who's from whatever country is involved. So they, the club gets. Everyone knows about a football club who all their all their finances get frozen. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, there's still a lot of players that are still under contract. So yeah. even if they were to start next season with what they've got and they've lost Rudiger and who else? Christensen, I think, is out of contract. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, somewhere along the line, they've still got, there's still a lot of people to service there. There's a lot of people who are going to lose their jobs there and justly lose their jobs. I mean, the people like within the club shop. Yeah, I'm not on about I'm not on about the millionaire footballers and people like that. I'm on about people who live, you know, that club yeah. shop. One Absolutely. of the small things, the suppliers, the people within the ground do that. They're the ones who would who, who bother me, not so much Tuchel. He'll, he'll get something, but yeah. would he be a fit? Yes, he would because he's, he's experienced. Um, the German side of it makes a difference to where United are. But if I was him, maybe not because you are not going to go and even get anywhere near to what you can at Chelsea. What you're doing with Chelsea, you'd have to go and manage, manage in a different way. And yes, I understand what you're saying about Manchester United. United are a big club, will always be a big club. That's the problem with Agbon Lahore. He, he doesn't really understand things in that sense to come out with a statement. They're not a big club anymore. How do you suddenly stop being one? What happened? Someone someone put a pin in, pin in Old Trafford and it goes down. I don't know. Leaks in the roof. 
Yeah, oh. yeah, but I mean, it's just, it was, that's, that's poor to come out and say something like, have they, have they got the pool they had, they used to have before? No, football's changed now. No great club has got the pool anymore. Players normally gravitate towards a football club and where they're situated in maybe in the country. So if you're a London club, that makes a bit of a difference. Yeah. Liverpool and Manchester, yes, they've got big histories. Liverpool at the moment, they're a club that a lot of players will gravitate towards because they've recently won a Premier League, recently won a Champions League. They're kind of competing. If you want adulation at the moment, you think you can get it, you're looking at maybe Liverpool where you're, or City where you're going to get more because they're winning more games. So those things are all going against United at this moment in time. United have to change the way they're financing on the pitch to go and draw in a big manager to prove because he's got to save his own face. He doesn't want he, himself being tarnished going in, going into maybe the melting pot of Old Trafford. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a massive, massive appointment. And they've got it. They, yeah, it's a big, big few months for United, um, starting with um, tomorrow's game against Athletic Club Madrid. Um, and then at the weekend, because Liverpool... Uh, there's been a clash, so I think that is it, they're still in the cup or something. So we're not at Anfield this weekend, so um, there'll be no podcast next week because it, we'll wait until the next one to cover the Athletic Club Madrid game. Um, so that's it. If you've enjoyed the pod, give us a like and subscribe to the channel as well. Always appreciate that. If you're watching the replay, um, join in the comments in the comments section, uh, and you know we do reply to them. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to review us on there and give it a subscribe on there as well. Um, Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and watching. We'll be back next week. And until then, stay safe, stay well. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.